Uh, good morning, everybody. So good to be back and be home and with you. Yeah, obviously, we're not conversational. We tried, we tried. Like I said, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm like, okay, dead crowd. Um, uh, it, is, it is a joy to be back. We're in a series through the summer called Passages. If you're visiting, welcome. We're in a long study in the book of Acts. We'll start part two of Acts in September, but we're just taking the summer to look at different, shorter passages that have had great influence uh, in our own lives. So there'll be a variety of teachers all summer long sharing, in a sense, passages that have made a difference in their own world and following Jesus. Um, my wife and I, we just got back. Our family got back. It was a bit of a three-week tour. It was in southern Oregon three Sundays ago and just saw a great response to the gospel and 50 people immediately baptized. And then we had a team from predominantly this church, also Westside and some other churches in Uganda, Michael and Shay in the front, and saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people in a two-week period uh, experience hearing the gospel, many responding in faith, uh, thousands, not an exaggeration, responding in faith to Jesus in all sorts of places, in prisons, hospitals, on the street, in open-air festivals, and, and in schools. It's just a, a crazy time. And then we flew to New York, and join Luis Palau in this huge, huge festival outreach on the Great Lawn of Central Park. And so my, my cup doth overflow. Uh, I've just, I feel like I've experienced everything twice. And it's, it's just been wonderful. Well, one of the cool things is, as a family, we were able to hang out in New York for a couple of days before flying back. And how many of you have been to Manhattan before? Like, okay, well, one of the great things is the contrast. So we're on Fifth Avenue if you remember Fifth Avenue, it's where all of these high-end shops are. So you've got Saks, Fifth Avenue. You've got Oscar de la Renta. You've got Gucci. You've got Armani, Rolex. Every, everyone else has these high-end shops. They're flagship stores. But then right outside on the street, you have street vendors. And it's so cool because you could go in and get a Rolex for a couple of thousand, or you can get one for 25 bucks. Just... <laughs> You just, you just go right on the, out, right on the outside, and, and it's this contrast. And so we were walking down the street, and this police officer starts driving by, and you see everyone folding up shop, literally, and getting off the street. Because inside, you can get the authentic, and outside, you can buy a fraud. Now, it looks good. You hold an authentic Rolex and a Trolex in the other hand, and you realize the weight is not the same. The style is not the same. It's not the same thing. And this morning, what I want us to do is to look at a passage that talks about the authentic thing. So turning your Bible, if you would, to 2 Peter. Towards the end, 2 Peter. Here's a tip after 1 Peter. Uh, 2 Peter. It's a joke. Yeah, it obviously was. 2 Peter 1. <laughs> Thank you, Shay. At least I've got one friend. 2 Peter 1. Uh, context here. We're going to read just the first few verses of Second Peter 1, the first uh, few verses in a minute. But I want to set the tone because you may be new to Jesus or church or anything. If I'm going to discover what authentic faith in Jesus looks like, who do I go to? Well, if I were you, I would go to someone who knows Jesus the longest, Jesus the best, Jesus in the most intimate way. And Second Peter is just one of many writings from this guy who's been with Jesus since the beginning. Early on, you read the Gospels. Who does he call to follow him? Peter is one of the early ones. 
And since he's been there, he is the first uh, of the apostles to look at the empty tomb. He's the first to receive the spirit and preach the gospel. He's the first to invite people who are not from a Jewish tradition to be part of the family of God. Peter knows what the authentic looks like. And if you've ever wondered, what does it mean to really follow Jesus? Because we saw thousands and thousands in New York, in Uganda, in Southern Oregon, say, yeah, I want to go for Jesus. The question is, now what? Like, what does it actually mean to go from hearing good news, saying yes to it, but then day-to-day walking out what it means to have Jesus as your leader? What does that look like? Peter is going to tell us. What does transformation look like? Look at 2 Peter verse 1. We're going to read the first 10 verses and just look at four this morning. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We're going to look at these in a second, but I want to read it to the end of the section so you see the big picture. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. Say that with me. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, a lot here. But all I want to do is look at the first four verses because it sets in two sections. The first section here is what has happened, what's, what's already done, what's complete, what's yours. That's the first four verses. There are no commands. Hear me. I have nothing to remind you that's been commanded for you to do this morning. But next week, we're going to see the back half because out of what's happened, out of what's true, out of what's right, out of what God has done, there are commands. So first this morning, I want us to see that what does it mean to be transformed? What does transformation look like? What does genuine faith look like? It begins, like Peter says, with something happening to you. Then out of what's happened to you, out of what's yours, out of the overflow, you're going to live a different way. So if you miss next week, hear me. You're gonna, you can go off the deep end. You can miss the complete story if you do not podcast next week. That's a command, okay? If you're going to miss it, because this is really two realities in two weeks that make for one transformed 
life. Three things this morning. Three Trinitarian, Father, Son, Spirit. We've got three points for you note takers. The first is this, this. Your faith is precious. Your faith is precious. What do we want to remember this morning? This is going to be so simple, but I hope so transformational. If you are in Jesus, your faith is precious. What's happened to you is not a small thing. What has happened on the inside, even though sometimes we don't see it, is absolutely revolutionary. If you have expressed faith in Jesus, it is precious. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, he throws in a little, here's who I am, for a reason. So he could have just said Peter. They know him by first name, but he uses his whole name, Simon Peter. He is Simon by birth. Jesus gives him the name, you will be called Peter, Petros. You will be called Rock. He's just reminded, they already know him. But he says, think about who I am. I am born of my mom, yeah, but transformed by Jesus. And I am a servant, literally a slave, a doulos. I am fully committed. I am not haphazard in my faith in Jesus. Anyone who knows Peter's story, anyone who's now read the Bible realizes this is the most committed there comes. I am called by Jesus as a slave and apostle. That is, I'm an authorized by Jesus to give the very teaching of Jesus. The very life of Jesus is now being poured out through me. Now, so he puffs himself up a little bit to set up a point. Look at verse, end of verse one. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So he says, here's who I am, Simon, but called by Jesus, Peter, rock, foundation. And I'm a servant, a slave, and I'm an apostle. But oh, by the way, I'm writing to everyone who through the own goodness of God and Jesus have received something. Received what? A faith as precious as yours. Your faith is precious. Precious uh, doesn't mean much to us. But actually in Greek, it's the word isotemos, which is equal, like, or of the same value. You need to be reminded this morning that your faith is precious. Your faith is equal. Your faith is similar or like. It's of the same value. So here's how he sets this up. If you've been discouraged maybe this summer already about your own following of Jesus, or you look at your life, you're like, man, I'm not really making progress. I'm just here to remind you, you have a faith, a transformation. When I say a faith, I'm not saying like your expressed belief. I'm saying you've been given something. You've been given life. You've been given change. You've been given wholeness. You've been given righteousness. And it's, by, it's through God, through the Lord Jesus. Peter's clear about that. And it's just like, it's identical to the same transformation, power, and faith that Simon Peter received years prior. What am I saying? I'm saying that Peter levels the playing field. And in a church like this, we need to be reminded that we're all on the level playing field. There aren't two classes of Christians. There aren't two classes of believers, like, like hyper-spiritual and barely making it. 
It seems that way when, we, when you look at our lives. When you look at other people around you, you're like, man, they're really growing. Like, they're a leader. I'm just a follower. Peter sets the tone. And he's writing, by the way, to, to uh, announce that there are frauds in the church. There are false teachers. There are false leaders with a false gospel. If you read, well, just jump down. Look at 2 Peter, uh, 2 Peter 2, verse 1. He says, there were also false prophets among you, just as there will be false teachers among you. They'll secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So he's writing a letter to say, like Fifth Avenue, there is authentic faith. It's in the store. And there are frauds on the street. And you need to choose and know which you have in your hands. Is your faith authentic? He doesn't want them to get drifted off and, and have their faith shipwrecked just like you don't want yours. Well, we need to remember that our faith is precious. It's all on the same playing field. So we're flying home and I fly a lot. And so I get automatic upgrades. And so it pops on my phone as we're going to the airport that I've been upgraded to first class. Here's the dilemma. I'm flying on the same flight as my wife and two kids. And so usually I'm by myself. It's easy. So being a decent human being, a decent human being, I say to my loving wife, hey, hey babe, I've been upgraded. To which the kids are like, whoa, we've been upgraded. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've been upgraded. Why don't you take first class and I'll fly with the kids. And... She's like, no, 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 no. This is godliness of my wife. She's like, no, you got to work on your message, which I wrote most of this on the plane. And she's like, you can need it. You, you, you take it. I'm like, you sure, babe? Hoping she wouldn't change her mind. Like, <laughs> you, you take it. So, so from, from Charlotte to Minneapolis, we're in the same plane, but there are two distinct classes with the little curtain that goes in between. So they get pretzels. I get a Southwest chicken salad. They get a half a drink in a cup. I'm in glass. They have napkins. I have linen. Now, mind you, I'm hoping they're not looking. They're weighing it way in the back. But we experienced the same plane ride, but had two totally different experiences, didn't we? We were in two different classes. There's first class and there's steerage. And never the twain, never the twain shall meet. Now, that's life. But Peter is emphatic. And I want to be emphatic. That is not the Christian life. That is not Jesus's plan. He does not give certain people like Simon there from the beginning. You get first class forgiveness. You get first class redemption. You get first class spiritual power. And then the others who come after you, they're going coach. That is not how Jesus works. Your faith, what Jesus has done in you is always first class. And that may not feel like it. And when you compare yourself to someone else, it may not seem like it. But I'm here to remind you that based on the re- these realities, again, next week's going to be, be about what you do. But for now, you just need to remember God's redemption in your world is amazing. So in life, you're going to be tempted to say, you're going to be tempted to say, well, Luis Palau is called to preach the gospel in Central Park. I am only going to do X, Y, Z. Let me just warn you against comparing yourself to other believers. What you end up doing is minimizing the grace of God that's been poured out on your world. What Jesus has done and is doing you is amazing. And it may not seem like much, but you need to celebrate 
the great and precious gift that you have, the faith that you've been given. So when you're tempted to say, I'm just a student, I'm just a mom, or I'm just a, and you fill in the blank. When you are tempted to say, I'm just a, then you remember verse two. Verse two says this, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge, and knowledge here is not just brain power. Knowledge here in its original is a relational term. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through our relatability to God and of Jesus, our Lord. When you're tempted to say, I am just a, and then fill in the blank, you need to remind yourself, grace and peace is yours in abundance from God and through his son, the Lord Jesus. And what is he saying here? Now, some of it's missed in our setting. Grace is the common hello in the first century in Rome. So you'd say, hey, how's it going? That's you say in English. Or what's up in English? You'd say grace, charis, grace to you, grace to you. It's a common welcome. But peace is the common welcome in the Jewish people, in the Hebrew culture, even though it's been translated into Greek here. Grace is the common hello for Romans, for non-Jews. Peace is the common hello for Jews. What, what Peter's doing is subtle, but it's monumental. In this church, there were Jewish followers of Jesus and non-Jewish followers of Jesus. So what the early Christian writers did, and Paul does it again and again, he starts his letters with grace and peace. Welcome and welcome. Hello and hello. Goodness and goodness. Accepted and accepted. And they do this because the church in the first century Every church has issues. We have, we have issues. We, every church has issues. The big issue in the first century is, do you really accept non-Jewish Christians as equals? Are they second class? Are they coach Christians? And the Jews, because they had a Jewish Messiah, Jesus was Jewish. Are the Jewish Christians first class and the Gentile Christians second class? And the writers, like Simon Peter says, no, there's one class, grace and peace. Welcome and welcome to you. And you need to remind yourself whether you come from a very broken background, maybe Jesus is new to you. You say, I didn't grow up with this and I got all all sorts of shrapnel and background and issues and I got habits and I got hangups. Let me just tell you, grace and peace to you in abundance. God's work in your life is precious. Your faith is precious and you are someone because you have been included in Jesus. And so there's no distinction. So, so Jew-Gentile, grace and peace. And also he says, in this first two verses, there's apostle and newbie. And they get the same thing. I just want to remind you, sunset, I want to remind you, follower of Jesus, that your faith is precious. It's precious to God and it ought to be precious to you. You are someone. Now, what we do if you ever come on one of these trips to Uganda, Michael and Shay can testify um, that when we do these trips in the morning or at night, we do God story time. And so you, we had 15, 17 of us, and we kind of know each other. We met four or five times. We kind of understand each other's story, but everyone had a turn to share what God had done in their life. And so we just sat in a circle and, and they would share their story and where God fits in their story And then at the end, everyone would pray for that person, blessing and grace and peace. And sometimes you think you know someone until you actually know them. 
And it was amazing. I had no idea all of the stuff that people in our circle, on our team, doing Jesus' work together had been going through. We had everything from people with chronic pain issues and sports injuries to, to uh, someone who had been abandoned by their spouse with two little kids to uh, someone else who had been abused for a long time as a child and all that brokenness and very hateful words from mom and dad and all the hang-ups from that. Sometimes you don't know someone until you actually know them, but it was really cool because at the end of it, we'd hear how God had broken through. So the stories were different. The details are different, but the transformation is the same. And I think that's what Peter's getting at here. Grace and peace to you. You have received something that is absolutely precious. It's been given to us. It's, it's all from God and through the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us qualify for it. None of us earn it. None of us deserve it, but we get it. And what I want you to get this morning is that if God's done anything in your life, that's grace and that's peace. And may it be yours in abundance. Well, that's the first thing. The second thing I want you to write down, this, your faith is precious. Second thing is you have God's power. Let's not forget that. You have God's power. Look at verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It goes back to those stories that we heard in Uganda from people who've been redeemed by Jesus. The end of the story was all the same. I was, but God stepped in and now things have changed. Everyone has a story to share and God has given us this power. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nerd out for a second because it's really important. You think, well, I don't feel very powerful. You're here. It's Sunday morning. You, you're going to get an ice cream, whether you love Jesus or not. But you're like, I don't, I don't feel, I don't, or an ice pop for the lactose intolerant. Um, but I don't, I don't feel really powerful. I don't see this Jesus stuff doing anything. His divine power has given us everything we need. Now, given. Say given with me. Given. Now, we read that, and it sounds like this, okay, it's something I got a long time ago. Well, it's actually in the perfect tense. And for those of you grammar majors, all one of you, all of one of you English lit majors here, um, language matters, and the tense of something makes a difference. So for those of you who want to know it, this is in the perfect tense. What is the perfect tense? Well, in Greek, the perfect tense tells us it describes something that happened in the past that has ongoing effect. So let me just make a, a real simple illustration because I lost half of you. All right. I married Carmen. Perfect tense. I married, married, perfect tense. Well, it says it happened 22 years ago, but in the perfect tense, it says it has ongoing implications. So it's like I was married and then, okay, it's over. No, it's I, I married Carmen. Happened in the past. It's done but I'm still feeling the wonderful first-class ripple effects 22 years later. God, look at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything. What I don't want you to miss, and they would be reading it in Greek, they would get the nuance that I needed to explain. It happened in the past. So, so you have God's power now. When did you receive God's power? 
The moment that you trusted in Christ and he took you out of darkness and put you into the kingdom of light, the power that you needed and now need to live a godly life is already yours. And some of us, we just forget that. We're like, we're looking for God's power. We're like looking for God's strength and God's saying, hello, you have it. You have been given a faith, a transformation that is absolutely precious. It's already been done for you, Jew or non-Jew, goody two-shoes or evil. You've been transformed. So now later on next week, what do we do in light of that? We, We won't get to that this morning. But you have a faith that's precious and you have God's power. So the moment I put my trust in Jesus Christ, what happened? Well, John 14, Jesus tells us looking forward, but it already happened because we've read the book of Acts. Jesus said in John 14, and I will ask the Father, this is after his death and resurrection, and he will give you an, another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it's neither seen him nor knows him, but you know him. Relational term. For he lives with you, and then he's looking ahead to the future. He will be what? In you. So I can say with full confidence, there is no reason, hear me, there is no reason why you, ordinary Christian, which is is an oxymoron, there is no ordinary Christian. If you've come to faith in Jesus, you have been given the very spirit that in dwelt the man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The very spirit that did the miracles. Jesus did not do miracles because he was God. He did miracles because he was given the spirit with his fullness. The same Jesus who dies and rises again, that same Holy Spirit now resides not in Aloha, if you live in Hillsborough, or in downtown Portland, if you live in Aloha. He lives inside of you. You have been given the Holy Spirit. There is no reason why you cannot live an absolutely extraordinarily godly life. Everything that you need, his divine power. So here's the good news. Jesus did not say, welcome to my family. Here's the standards. Good luck. Hell is hot. Avoid it. Right? Wouldn't that, and some of us view the Christian life this way. Jesus, thank you for accepting me in your family, but I don't have what it takes to actually live a victorious, Jesus-filled life. I can't be godly. I can't change bad habits. I can't start good ones. I, I can't express love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. I, I, I can't do any of that. And Jesus is saying, hello, yeah, you can. But guess what? I never asked you to. I will do it through you because I've given you my Holy Spirit. Because you've been given the Holy Spirit Stop making excuses for your old life and your old patterns. Rather, choose to believe I have God's power right now. And if you want to live a transformed life, it begins with a transformation in the mind. You've been given a faith that is precious. And when you're tempted to disbelieve that, remind yourself, go to 2 Peter 1. You've been given God's power in the past. Maybe you didn't realize it. Well, then know it. Maybe you knew it in the past, but life has given you a beat down and now you feel powerless. You've been reminded by the Spirit of God this morning, you have everything you need to live a godly life through our knowledge, relationship with Jesus who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. He has already done it 
for you. The question is, will you live in light of it? There are two words. I've used it before and I'll just repeat it for those of you who like to study the Bible. There are indicatives and there are imperatives. So whenever I do a Bible study, here's what I do. I've got software that helps me and I color, it, it color codes it in the Bible as I look at it. I've got yellow and red. Yellow is an indicative and red is an imperative. An indicative is something that is true of me. It already happened. I didn't do it. It's been done for me. By his divine power, he has given us everything we need is an indicative. It says it's already happened. It's already been done. And you didn't grab it. God gave it to you. All the power you need. And then I look for imperatives. This is what's true of me, indicative. An imperative is a command. It tells us like, you should do this. But in the Bible, the, and, and, and I don't want to lose you, the indicatives come first and then the imperatives. Let me put it in normal English. God does something for you first and says, in light of what I've done, here's what you do. It's never in reverse. So it's never, you better do this and then I'll change you. The gospel is, I'll change you. And now you can live changed. And so what I want to remind you this summer and what we want to cover over these two weeks is God's faith worked out in you is a precious thing. Don't you underestimate what Jesus is doing. Now, I'm going to say probably at least 100% of you have sinned this week. At least 100%. Maybe 110. So what do I do with my own sin? I remember that yes, I do fail and I do choose to sin as a follower of Jesus, but I have been changed. I don't have to. And God's power is available for me to do the right thing the next time. I don't wallow in my past. I confess it. I ask Jesus to forgive it and I move on. Can I just encourage you, follower of Jesus, loved by God, move on. Don't be stuck by the past. He's already given you the power to be forgiven. First John 1 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and clean us from all wrongdoing. Just fess up and move on. And by the way, you have the power to do it already because his divine power has been given to you. Well, the final one, and I'm done. First, his, his, your faith is precious. Second, you have God's power. And thirdly, you have God's promises. You have them right now. Let's look at verse four and we're done. Through these, What's these? Through his own glory and goodness. He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, the great and precious promises, you may participate, and this sounds incredible, in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Let's just look at it real quickly. Um, through these, God's glory and goodness did it. I don't do it. You don't do it. It's because God is glorious and God is good that I now get these promises. Has given. What does that mean? It's the same thing. It's that perfect tense. It happened in the past and it has ongoing effect into the future and into today. So the promises, it's not like I'm waiting for God to promise something about my future. He's already given you precious promises to walk in. He's already spoken truth over your life. The question is, 
Am I going to live in light of those? The gift's already been given, but am I going to receive it? So that you may participate in the divine nature. So what are the promises? Twofold. One, the promises that you'll, you'll walk in the divine nature. Now, does that mean that you become God? And I'm going to say this carefully. Almost. What Peter is saying here is scandalous. And it could be misinterpreted, but we're not going to do that. He is saying that because God has chosen to rescue us through his perfect son, Jesus Christ. And now my faith, which is Jesus' faith, has been given to me. And now I've been transformed. I've been given the same spirit as Jesus. He is saying the promise is that you and I will walk and participate now, not in the future, now in the divine nature. It means that God's ways are perfect and God always does the right thing. And he's saying, Christian, follow Jesus. Over time, you and I, the promise is, I get to participate in Jesus's perfection now. It means I can actually live like Jesus in the here and now. Now, am I saying you're going to do it perfectly? Absolutely not. So that's where you can mess it up and say like, and some have, have overstepped it and said, well, Peter says, we'll walk in the divine nature. Therefore, I will, I will never sin again as a follower of Jesus. To which I say, try that one for like a week. You can't even do it for a day. So we're not going to overstep it, but we're not going to underplay it either. It means that you as a follower of Jesus are walking in the very way of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, filling you day in and day out. Now the, the choices Jesus made, you can make. The power that Jesus walked in, you can walk in. The transformation that Jesus experienced and, and displayed, I can now walk in that. I am not just like there's God and his son, Jesus, and then here we are in Never Never Land. Yeah, he's unique, and I, I'm not God. But what Peter is saying is the very teaching of Jesus. I by the power of the Spirit, become one with God. Don't underplay that. You are not just an ordinary Christian. That's an oxymoron. You are filled with the very Spirit of God. Therefore, you have this promise that over time you're going to be more and more like Jesus. Now, what does that look like? I'll go back to the marriage analogy. Carmen and I got married 22 years ago, and we kind of knew each other. We dated for five years. But now, 22 years later, we don't even need each other for a conversation. Some of you have had lo- lo- like lifelong friendships or, like, or a brother or a sister, and you know you can complete. So there are times where I will complete out loud the whole scenario. We'll be in a discussion. And I will say, I know you're going to say that, 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 and then I'm going to say this, and then you're going to say that. And she chuckles because it's totally true. We have to look at what we're wearing because the longer you're with someone, you ever notice that? you start looking like them. It's really weird. It's kind of creepy, but it happens. Married couples after a while choose the same thing often because there's something that happens through long, in-depth, deep, intimate relationship. There's a fusion. We're still separate. We're unique, but there's a blend that's mysterious. Well, that's just a human analogy. What's happened because of your expressed faith in Jesus is more concrete. You have been given the Spirit of God. You've been promised to be one day in the future made 
perfectly like the Son, like the Lord Jesus. We will be like him because we will see him like he is. We will be transformed in the future. And like Jesus is perfect, we will be made perfect, not in this life, but in the life to come. But the promise that we have now is that experience begins today. Friend, follower of Jesus, you are not an ordinary Christian because that is a what? That is an oxymoron. The spirit that created the universe now lives in you. Therefore, you have the promise of real life change. The second promise that he's referring to here is at the end of verse 4. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, literally caused by lusts. So two things are happening. You have these great and precious promises. What are the promises? One, you are stepping now into the divine nature. You're becoming more like Jesus and you can live that way. And the second one is the negative side of the same thing. Because you're more like Jesus, you have escaped. Now escaped in English sounds like past tense. It sounds like you escaped in the past. And some of you feel like, well, yeah, when I first started following Jesus, like I, I felt like a change and a transformation and everything was new, but now... I don't feel that anymore. Can I just say, our feelings are pretty flawed, aren't they? If we went by our feelings all the time, what kind of shipwreck would we have? Your feelings are important, but your feelings need to align and come under what is true. And the truth is, you've been changed by Jesus and the divine nature is now working its way through you and you have escaped is actually an active present. He's saying, Peter's saying, you are escaping day by day the corruption. Because of Jesus, you've been promised a changed nature, changed heart, changed life, and that day by day, you can escape the corruption that's caused by our old desires, our lusts, and we all have them. We're all selfish at a gut level. We all have a bent towards evil at a gut level, but that does not have to control me. I'm a follower of Jesus. I have been changed. I am being changed. I will be changed. All of that's true. Therefore, I can live like Jesus now. So, like I said, no command here. What am I telling you to do this week? Absolutely nothing. What I'm saying is everything I just said has already happened and is happening and will continue to happen so you should be of good cheer. This, this, this weekend, this morning, I want us just to rejoice. I want us to celebrate. Now, next weekend, you get the sledgehammer. So can I recommend? Podcast it. <laughs> no, just to, but the other half of it is in light of what's true, in light of the indicative, what is already real, there are imperatives what I'm called to live into. We'll get to that next week. For this morning, three reminders. Your faith is precious. It's precious. It already is. What Jesus is doing in you is beautiful. You have God's power right now. So yes, I call and I ask God, enable me. But it's not, it shouldn't be like, God, enable me, please, if you have any leftover energy. <laughs> it's no God. You've given me the Spirit. Now give me the courage to follow the leading of the Spirit and not do what I really want to do, which is against the Spirit. You've already given me that power. Now, may that power rule over the other powers because those other powers are there. And finally, 
you've been given God's promises. The transformation of Jesus is, is, it's here, it's happening. And so the cool part of being a part of the community is we get to map it out, right? And five years from now, we get to see the transfer, transforming change that's been happening over five years. Step into it because he's already done it for you. Why don't you stand on your feet and let's just celebrate and rejoice in the goodness of God and the redemption that he brings. Lord, we love you. We thank you that all this is true because you've chosen to do it for us. Your own glory, your, your own goodness, your own kindness, it's been given to us in the Son, Jesus. So whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And Lord, thank you that you've given us the Son. We just want to walk out what you've already been doing in our world. Help us, Lord Jesus, today to walk in that reality, even now.